Welcome, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, to another edition of the Steelers Fix. My name is Jeremy Betts, joined, as always, by Andrew Wilbar, my partner in crime for this fantastic podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the Pittsburgh Steelers and what they are trying to do as far as roster building. And uh, right now we are uh, deep in the throes of a way too early projection, prediction, and look at the 2024 NFL Draft. If you know anything about the famed Wilbar and the and the legendary, as he likes to call me, uh, Jeremy Betts, <laughs> uh, we are draft nerds and we love to talk about it. So we're going to skip ahead uh, to our Super Bowl. And we're going to talk some 2024 NFL draft. If you've been following the show, you also know that we've had a part one and part two of this already. And this is part three where we're going to dive into some prospects the Steelers could find interesting at positions of need, like we talked about in uh, part one a couple weeks ago. And um, you're if you haven't heard that podcast and then the one last week where we also discussed um, the positions that are strong and weak in the NFL draft in 2024. You're going to want to check those out in conjunction with this show. This is part three. We're going to wrap it up here. Andrew, I'll bring you in. I'm done blabbing. How are you doing? I am hanging in. <coughs> Excuse me. I was hanging in. Are you? Are you? <laughs> oh, I'm telling you what. I don't know whether it's just the allergies or what. I, we, I did some stuff with the teenagers at the church this week and took them out of town to do something one of the days. And I'm telling you, ever since then, my throat has just been a little bit, a little bit scratchy. Um, we'll try to make it through tonight, but like you were talking about, you know, this is a way too early projection, but at the same time, I mean, everyone has their own things to talk about in the off season, but we've still got another month until training camp. So, you know, exactly. why not? Which I, I will mention uh, another podcast of the Steel Curtain Network that is doing something really interesting is the Steelers Hangover on Mondays with Daniel J and Shannon White. They're doing like the greatest Steelers position rankings of all time. So they're going position yes. by position and ranking the best Steelers of all time at each position. It's going to be a really cool series uh, to watch over the next month or two. Uh, so just pay attention to that. Again, that's on Mondays. You can get on YouTube as well as on any of these great podcast platforms that you are listening to right now. Absolutely. Be sure to follow our host site, the Fans First Sports Network on Twitter. Uh, that's Fans First SN. And uh, if you want to get NFL specific, it's at FFSN underscore NFL. And we are part of the Steel Curtain Network, which is represented uh, by the Fans First Sports Network. So happy to uh, bring you more content here. Andrew, let's kind of dive in. I, I wanted to get kind of an overall thought from you, you, you're, you are, uh, most definitely, and I'm not afraid to admit this, uh, more, um, well-versed, I should say in the 2024 draft class than I am. Um, I know kind of, you know, what the talking heads have been talking about, but haven't really, uh, dove in too deep on a lot of the players. And, uh, so we're going to rely heavily on your expertise here. In, in this episode, but kind of wanted to get a feel for you about, uh, we talked Steelers positions of need. Uh, I think we've, we're going to talk some, some players in those positions. Do you think the Steelers um, are set up just in based on what you're, they're probably going to need and, and those um, the strengths and weaknesses of, of those groups, are they set up to uh, have to work harder in 2024 to make the draft successful or should it be a, a draft that, maybe comes easy to them if they just kind of follow the, the script of who's who's supposed to be there. I think it's a good but imperfect scenario, and a lot of that is just due to the depth of the class. It kind of saves 
the fact that some of the weaker positions in the draft next year are positions the Steelers do need. But due to the overall depth, the Steelers may have a chance to get a steal at one of those positions, even though there may not be as many players of that are starting caliber prospects at those positions that some of them are going to fall because of the depth of the position. You know, we talked about safety. I think there's a lot of guys that just haven't sparked yet. There's a lot of four and five-star recruits, former four and five-star recruits that could be in next year's draft class. They just haven't produced yet. And a lot of them, again, they're those hybrid safety guys. And it's going to come up to what the Steelers want to do. Do they want to go back to the normal strong safety or do they want to just have more hybrid players? It's really hard to tell, but it seems the Steelers like the hybrid type defense and then yeah. inside linebacker again it's hard to read uh i will say right now it's going to be better than this year's but that's not saying a whole lot uh, right. but we're going to get into a player or two at that position today that i think could make sense for the Steelers specifically but like like you were talking about i think overall it is setting up good for the steelers because the depth is going to work in their favor even though the positions may not Gotcha. Good observations there. Uh, let me ask you a predictive fun question before we dive in. Where will the Steelers be picking in round one of the 2024 NFL draft? Why do you have to do this? <laughs> um, uh, well, that's going to inform what, what players are potentially available, obviously, down the road. Absolutely. But, um, you know, what, what's your thought? Are, is this uh, they're in the mid to late 20s as a playoff team, or is this – teens again what what's 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 your thought here i've been saying 10 and 7 for a while but i don't know that there's any guarantee the steelers would win a playoff game and that's going to determine a lot so because i think the nfc is going to be weaker overall and you're going to see probably let's say the steelers lose in the wild card weekend so there's what six teams that are going to be losing in that super wild card weekend i think there's a high probability that at least two of those NFC teams are going to have the first, the highest two selections of the teams that lose. Obviously, anything can happen in playoff weekend. I'm going to just say 21st right now. I think that's okay. a pretty safe guess. I think the I think the Steelers ceiling could be. I mean, if Pickett has the breakout year that we think he's capable of, I mean, we could go. I think as far 32. as 32, 32, uh, baby. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't go that far. I go championship game. I'd say maybe 28, 29. Okay. I'd say 29 would probably be the absolute ceiling. For the team, but I would, I think 21 is a safe spot. I wouldn't be shocked really with anything that happens. We could miss the playoffs, not because of, a, you know, the fact that we're not good, but a lot of people aren't putting into account that the AFC is even stronger this year yes. than last year. And even though the schedule seems to work in our favor, the it's, you're, you're going to need more wins this year to be able to make it. So yeah, all of that goes into account. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's jump in here to let's start with the wide receiver position. We talked about it last week as uh, something that it could become a, a fairly big need if the Steelers decide to move on from Deontay Johnson, say, uh, and even still, they're, they're going to need to find some pieces probably to round out that group after letting Anthony Miller go this year. And then you've got some role players still in place. But um, tell us about some wide receivers, Andrew, that kind of stick out to you right now as players that either stylistically or, um, you know, how they play the game uh, could fit the Steelers, uh, what they're looking for. Well, I'm addicted to speed at wide receiver. So I love Tyler Harrell. I mentioned last week that he's gotten a hand time 419, a laser time 424 in the 40. 
He's got true speed, but at this point, he is more of a one-trick pony. And if Calvin Austin can live up to the hype that is surrounding him right now, I don't think the Steelers necessarily will have a need to go after another speedster. Uh, the hope seems to be that maybe, if not this year, definitely next year, that Calvin Austin can be a primary slot receiver uh, in this offense, even though he's not the typical mold for the Steelers type of slot receiver with physicality. But Tyler Harrell is the guy to keep an eye on. Uh, Going to be a little bit older of a prospect, but they're going to rely on him heavily in Miami. He should get more looks than he did at Alabama. Uh, Mario Williams from USC. If you want the Deontay Johnson type mold, and I think I made a mistake in when I mentioned last week, or maybe it was the week before, but I was wrong about Deontay Johnson's contract. He is under contract through 2024. Um, but it, there is a potential that the Steelers could get out of his deal. Uh, a year early through moving it. His cap hit is a lot lower than some of the other top named wide receivers in the league. And if there's a team out there that sees Deontay Johnson as a wide receiver one, the Steelers may do that, may be able to move him. But again, that's going to come down to, can he boost those touchdown numbers up this year? I don't know if it's going to be any easier this year to do so, but Mario Williams, he's very quick out of the slot. Again, I don't think he's going to run super fast. I see him as more of a four or five guy. Maybe he's in that Jordan Addison range. Maybe he sneaks just under four or five, but he's not going to take the top off of defense all the time, but he's so quick in and out of his cuts and he gains so much separation in that first step out of his cut. Yeah. The only concern is that sometimes if he's running too far in a straight line, he doesn't have that extra burst at the end, that closing separation to be able toward the end of the route, be able to create that extra step of separation. He isn't at that point yet. Sometimes he almost creates the separation a little bit too early in the route. But the one other guy I'll mention this week is Troy F Franklin, excuse me, from Oregon. Uh, he's a four-four guy, six foot two. He's got the enough height to be a primary receiver on the outside, but at only 178 pounds, he really needs to bulk up, add some weight. There's every type of receiver in this draft, but those are the guys that I could see depending on who the Steelers are trying to replace. Calvin Austin, if he has a bum year. Deontay Johnson, if the Steelers decide to move him, you got Mario Williams. And then Troy Franklin is kind of that guy. If they just want another guy to throw in on the outside, if Deontay Johnson is gone, I think Franklin's not near the route runner that Deontay is. But there are other options there. I think Williams is the guy if they're looking to replace it, um, Deontay straight up. Right. But there's, I mean, for all we know, the Steelers may just go out and try to create a basketball team and get six foot seven Johnny Wilson in the first <laughs> right. second round and bring him out there. Then you got. Six foot seven Darnell Washington. You got six foot five Muth. You've got six foot seven uh, Johnny Wills. I mean, at that point, you know, just throw it up and someone yeah. will come down with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention about Tyler Harrell is, you know, you think that of that speed and you think maybe uh, six foot, 170 pounds, you know. No, this dude's almost 200 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> He's got an NFL body at wide receiver, you know, 195 pounds and six foot tall. So, you know, he's with that type of, of game changing speed. He's not a gimmicky player at the next level. If if he plays well, if he shows that he can be a true wide receiver and, and, and run routes and everything like that, and not be too much of a one trick pony like you were mentioning, because he's built to um, better withstand some of the rigors of the NFL than uh, even guys like Jordan Addison uh, coming out, uh, Jalen Hyatt from this last year that had some some traits that you like, but you're like, oh, man, 168, 178 pounds. That just uh, – can we keep this guy on the field? That's That has been the tough question this year. It uh, won't be a question for Harrell next year. I really like your, your thoughts there at wide receiver. Let's move on to 
uh, some some interior linemen here. Well, before we get to defensive line uh, and, and our break after that, let's talk about some uh, centers because I think you and I agree, um, you know, maybe Mason Cole has been a good stopgap. They don't really have anything behind him to really um, – groom in, in his place to maybe take over. Maybe they see him as more of a long-term starter. We don't know. Maybe they were like, well, we can get a good center this next year. Tell us about some of those players. I mean, the Steelers must see Spencer Anderson as the replacement, obviously. Oh man. Obviously. But, yeah. Which did, I don't know if you saw the story or not about almost getting taken by the chiefs for Anderson. Yeah. No, did I did not. That? So apparently what happened is the chiefs had told uh Spencer Anderson to hang tight because there was a DB that they had an interest in and they also had interest in Spencer Anderson they said at 250 if the guy if the DB we want isn't there you're the pick and oh. apparently when the Steelers were on the clock I mean the picks come in relatively quickly I mean they kind of yeah. overlap they're usually the TV is a pick or two behind on day three because uh, it just come in so rapidly I don't know how the order exactly went but according to the story Spencer Anderson accidentally hung up on Andy Reid when <laughs> he was making the call so pretty much he saw a call coming in, I think, while he was still on hold or on the phone with Kansas City. Wow. And he saw this call from a 412 area code. It was Omar Khan. And he handed the phone to Mike Tomlin. And Tomlin's like, versatility is your card, man. We're you know, we're taking you with the pick. <laughs> so then he hung up with the on the Indy Reid call. He just hung oh, up wow. Wow. on that. They end up taking That's Nick crazy. Jones, I believe, from Ball State with that pick instead. Yeah. Uh, so I, my assumption is that was who Kansas City was going to take, but it is funny. That is funny. <laughs> he actually hung up on Andy <laughs> Reid when they were going to take him and had to take somebody else instead. That's a that's a scramble afterwards to to try to find a way to call back and say, "I'm so sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that." <laughs> but that's great. Good story. But when we're talking about centers we've mentioned him since last year we yeah. mentioned him last week i think we mentioned him the week before it's van Prawn or bust at center right. I, I really there may be another center that breaks out so i'm not gonna say too early that this is the only good center in next year's draft there's some other guys that show some promise but i i mean i do like mason cole and i think we both do to an extent he had a really good year last year I think he's in position to be even better this year in between both Sumalo and James Daniels. He doesn't have to deal with Kevin Dotson on one side. He it seems to be in the perfect position to have maybe the best year of his career at center. But if you have the chance to get a potentially generational talent at center, which we yeah. don't know Van Pran is that yet, but he's shown the flashes that he could be. I think that, in this situation, you got to consider it. I wouldn't consider it for anything less because you don't necessarily have to replace Mason Cole. But if you can potentially get an elite, elite prospect in this position, it may kind of calm down some of the people who were on the Creed Humphrey train, which I like Creed Humphrey, but yes. there were others who wanted him desperately, in the, even in the first round, and they didn't even get him in the second. And this may help put a Band-Aid on that boo-boo. And with sure. if you can get a Cedric Van Praan, he could play to the level of Creed Humphrey. I truly right. believe that he is a Creed Humphrey level prospect in my book. Has the chance to be maybe the best center in the league once he gets to his peak. He has that much talent. 
uh, and he would be walking into a really good position, just like Mason Cole is in right now. If he walks in next year, or maybe he sits a year behind Mason Cole, the Steelers aren't afraid to sit their rookies for a little while. Uh, but Cedric Van Praan, he can do everything. He's such a fluid mover. He moves well. Sometimes he's a little bit off balance. I'd say that's the one thing he really needs to work on, uh, right. just remaining balanced in his past sets. But he moves people in the run game. He's as much as some of the technical aspects I can understand why some people get a little bit upset with his tape, but there is so much to love when you can just manhandle someone without the technique, be able to manhandle some of the best defensive linemen in the SEC. And I mean, absolutely obliterate them, push them off the ball. Like it's nothing. And you still have technical issues. Imagine what he can be once he gets these technical issues down. It's just exciting to think about. I would love to see Cedric Van Praan in black and gold. If he does make that leap this year, which I think he is going to make. I I love it. Um, you know, I think a lot of times as fans, we we want these pro- prospects to be finished products coming out of college. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, if that were the case, you wouldn't need coaches, right? And so Mike Tallinn, famous for saying that he he runs to coaching. <laughs> you know, that's that's one of the things that he enjoys. And he he's willing to take a player with that raw talent because he believes in his and his staff's ability to uh, get the most out of that player. I think, again, when you consider the supporting cast, uh, any center that the Steelers would bring in would have that it's a leg up for them to be able to focus on, on their role and, and what they're supposed to do at center without having to worry about necessarily uh, lack, lacking play uh, to either side of them. So I agree with you there. I think uh, going back to your, your comments on Creed Humphrey, compounding the issue that the Steelers did not take Creed Humphrey in a lot of people's eyes was turning around in round three right afterwards and picking Kendrick Green. Yeah, <laughs> It just doesn't work. Oh, man. And so I think now Steelers fans probably have, have come around on the thought of now we've got Pat Fryermuth, who's this fantastic – young tight end um and so i think the angst isn't there as much now but i mean creed humphrey proved right away year one kansas city that he could be a difference maker there and the steelers uh messed up their evaluation of the center position in that draft class no doubt Uh, let's move on to another uh lineman this time on the defensive side of the ball somebody that you've had on your radar now for a little while i think you actually mocked this player to the steelers in your way too early 2024 NFL mock draft, and that's uh, Mason Smith, defensive line, LSU, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, Tell us about Mason Smith, why you like him. Well, the Steelers make it pretty easy when trying to figure out which defensive lineman they might have interest in because they always stick to the same body type, the six foot four, six foot five, maybe even six foot six guy with about the 300 pound frame who's got room to add weight if they want to, or they can keep him at the weight he's at. They like that Cameron Hayward, Stefan Tuitt type mold and they like that for their three four ends if the Steelers are going to stick to the three four system which there's no guarantee but it does show that they do have some interest in doing so because they did bring back Larry Ogunjobi who played really well as a uh as the right end for a while uh I think when you look at Mason Smith the biggest concern is that ACL injury he suffered in week one last year he's a big unknown but before the injury going back to his freshman year so so many just flashes of brilliance on the interior and he, he, i think the steelers could potentially come away with a steal much like a lot of people thought the steelers got with demarvin leal just because of the fact that 
Mason Smith's probably not going to be 100%, even though he suffered that injury back in week one. He may be, quote-unquote, 100% and as healthy as he's going to be. But we all know it takes usually a second year coming back from an ACL tear, especially for a big guy like Mason Smith, to be able to come back and be fully functional to the level he was pre-injury. So I think you're going to see a good season for Mason Smith, but not necessarily a season that's like, oh, man, this guy's going to go top 10. I think this guy has the potential of going top 10 if not for the injury he had last season we're looking at a potentially elite prospect the Steelers may be able to get in the later portions of round one because of the injury but pertaining to him as a prospect uh he has a good pad level he does a good job disengaging from blocks at the line he needs to become a little bit better penetrator up front. He can push guys, but being able to create consistent penetration isn't something yeah. he's done a whole lot of. I think he's capable of more of that. And I think a guy like Carl Dunbar could really bring that out of him. And he could be a really scary pairing with Keanu Benton for years to come. The Steelers obviously have got to be thinking about what they're going to do once Cameron Hayward starts to slow down, which could be any year. It could be this year. Uh, yeah. Mason Smith is the only guy really at the top. I mean, uh, Newton from Illinois. Not the Steelers' body type, 6'2", 280, um, or Horo Horo from Clemson. None of these guys fit the Steelers' mold. If the Steelers are going for one early, I think it's Mason Smith. If not, unless somebody else emerges, which we see happen every year, I don't see the Steelers going this direction early because there's a lack of options, not at the position, but at the style of the position that the Steelers prefer. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see how Smith rebounds from that injury. Absolutely. That's going to affect his draft stock. And, you know, it, it could be very similar to, I believe, Stefan Tuitt had an injury, maybe not a significant one like an ACL, but he had an injury either his final year of college or or the year before that uh, forced him down some draft boards. He ended up going to the Steelers in round two, and they got quite a player, uh, you know, for many years uh, as a second round prospect there. So um, value to be had and Mason Smith, you know, putting it together is going to be the key for him. And if he does, then he might find himself outside the Steelers range uh, of drafting, but uh, you never know. And so I think that this guy definitely has a shot to be on this team's radar heading into 2024. Let's take a quick break, Andrew, and when we come back, we're going to talk some edge or an edge player, some inside linebacker um, prospects, and then some safeties that kind of fit what the Steelers might be looking for in 2024. Don't go anywhere. The Steelers fix. We'll be right back. We're back, baby, on the Steelers fix. We're talking 2024 prospects that should be on the Steelers' radar. And, Andrew, uh, we, we talked about some wide receivers and then some guys along the defensive front and uh, at center. Uh, so let's let's take, make a move here to a, a position that the Steelers have addressed a lot recently, but you can't have too many of these guys, and that's edge rusher. And uh, we're going to talk about one of my favorite players in the upcoming draft. And uh, tell us who the prospect is, Andrew, and uh, why you like him for for the Steelers at Edge. Well, Jack Sawyer from the O-Word school that Jeremy is quite (laughs) a fan of 
uh, is an intriguing prospect because of his athleticism. I think he can add a good bit more weight. He's still in like the 240, 245 range. He has the frame. I mean, he's what, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six yeah. He can get into the 255, 260 range really without a problem. And I think if he wants to improve his draft stock the most, he needs to add another 10 or so pounds before entering the NFL uh, because he's got all the athletic traits and he has the athleticism to be able to carry that weight uh, without an issue at all. But he's a grinder. I I do think that there are times where he plays a little bit high and he struggles to set the edge. But again, a very minor fix. And if he can add a little bit extra weight, that's going to help him secure that edge in the run game. He already does a good job of disengaging from blocks and getting upfield. The issue is that he doesn't he, – th- there's times where he – if he if there's just a missed assignment or a blown block, he'll go into the backfield and make a play in the backfield. Uh, but I think he's most – as it pertains to the run game and his run defense, I think the thing that he needs to work on the most is th- in terms of not necessarily disengaging but having the power to be able to push forward – then disengage to where he's not yeah. going back. A lot of times when he disengages, he's almost off balance. He's going back a little bit. So, you know, he can run to the second level and get the running back going through the hole at the second level, but it's after a four or five yard gain. I think he can be a more dominant run defender and he has the potential to become that. If he can just add a little bit more weight, keep the pads a little bit lower and just clean up some of the minor technique issues in his game. But super athletic guy. He's got a high motor. He just yeah. seems like the Steelers type pick. And you mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. He's going to get TJ Watt comparisons if he has a breakout year this year. No doubt about it. And he seems to be a pretty durable prospect for the most part. Jeremy, unless you know some different, as far as I can tell, he's no. a pretty durable prospect who uh, seems to be keeps himself in pretty good shape. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the the fact that he's playing on an Ohio State defense that has has some players that, that you'll – that you'll be watching, but uh, for the most part, I mean, they don't necessarily project to be a, a top defensive unit over the course of the entire season. They should be better this year than they were last year. But uh, if he plays well at all, he's going to stand out. And uh, I think that that helps his, his stock a little bit as well. Um, I, I just really love his, his motor and, and the way he just gets after it. And you're right. He does have some, some technique issues, but um, the, the f- fact that he just plays with and just an unrelentingness that um, just to go, go, go all the time, it, the, the Steelers are going to find that attractive and he could end up being a, a very good uh, prospect on the Steelers radar. Um, I, I was trying to look up how to say it, uh, but the guy he plays across from at JT Ohio State. Tu- Let me guess, JT Tui Molowau. Yeah, Tui Molowau. I was trying to look up the last name so I could say it right again, but uh, uh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> um, bad, Jeremy. I'm pronouncing your guys as better. I know. I know. I'm, oh. I'm terrible with names. I think we've just we've uh, established that pretty pretty heavily on this show. Um, but the, those two guys playing together this year uh, could be really good for Ohio <laughs> State, and I think uh, could be the reason why uh, they take down your boys this year for the first time in three years or in two years. For the first time in three years. I like that sound. <laughs> oh, first time in my so, life I could ever say that. Oh, right. Yep. We will see. Let's move on to inside linebacker though. The Steelers have not go- gotten good marks from most analytics from, from fans uh, as far as their inside linebacker room goes in 2023. 
heading into the season. It, it looks a little underwhelming. There's thought that it could be the weak link on the defense and maybe be a cause for concern. So it could very well be something the Steelers address early in the 2024 draft. If there's a prospect that suits their liking, talk to us about a couple players that you like. Well, I thought about Tommy Eichenberg, another Ohio State prospect, uh, because he has the length that you would like. He doesn't have the greatest range, but if you want a good buck linebacker, Eichenberg could be that guy. I think if they move on from Landon Roberts after one year, they could just stick in-house with Nick Kwiatkowski, a guy they just signed recently, formerly with the Houston Texans, I believe. Um, He's bounced around a little bit, but I I wouldn't mind Eichenberg if the Steelers are in need of a buck linebacker. I think the bigger need, though, is that Mac guy who can run sideline to sideline and cover. Uh, Cole Holcomb can run, but he can't cover. And there's a big difference. Everyone thinks that, you know, well, if he runs 4-4 or whatever, he's going to be great in coverage. Not every time, and I think Cole Holcomb kind of reminds us of that. But Jeremiah Trotter Jr., the Steelers like the bloodlines. It wouldn't shock me if the Steelers show interest. Again, he's probably going to be, if he has the year I think he's capable of, he's probably going to go before the Steelers are on the clock unless, you know, the Steelers have an underwhelming year. But he came in at like 210, 205 pounds when he came to Clemson. Really thin body type. He's bulked up to about 230. He's only about six foot, six foot and a half. So I don't know how much more weight he can really add. If he could add another five to seven pounds, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable with him. Uh, but he's got range. He's very fluid from sideline to sideline. I don't think he's going to necessarily be a 4-4 type guy. He's not going to be the Devin White, Devin Bush type fast. But I think he's going to be a guy in that 4-5 range who's going to be one of the better cover linebackers because of his fluidity. And that's something that not really any of the linebackers in this past draft had. Trenton Simpson had some of it, but his instincts, his poor instincts, really covered up a lot of the good parts of his game. And that's why he didn't go until the third round. I think Trotter has a chance to go top 10 if he has the year we think he's capable of, but he's got to be stronger against the run. And that's the big concern. Uh, but hopefully with the added weight, he will be able to do that. Um, but the one other guy that I wanted to highlight, because I think he makes sense for the Steelers, if, again, he can add more weight, he's only listed 215 pounds right now. And that's Deshaun Lime- Pace. Linebackers getting smaller, Andrew. They just are across the board. They are, but ugh. <laughs> I like I, when, I, when you like your safeties at 220 like I do – you don't want your linebackers at 215, <laughs> but right. I, uh, I, I tell you what, I with a guy like Deshaun Pace, he plays with a mentality of a stealer. He's quick to shoot gaps. He's not afraid to hit people. He's not afraid of contact. The issue is that because he lacks the weight, bigger backs, and you know, especially if he's coming off toward the side and a tight end engages with him. Uh, the tight end can just pancake the man right now. He has the heart. He has the drive, but he just does not have the strength at this point. And yeah. that it's going to affect him badly as a draft prospect if he can't add more weight. I expect that weight to change as we get closer to the combine, especially. If he can get to 230, 235, I think he has a chance to potentially even shift a buck linebacker at some point. He has that mentality of a guy who can come downhill, can do a little bit of everything. He can blitz a little bit, but uh, he's not the most, he's not as fluid in coverage as Trotter. And that's what concerns me as it pertains to his fit with the Steelers. If the Steelers are going linebacker, I know not everyone wants another, Oh, he's 230 pounds. You know, he might be another Devin Bush, but at the same time, the Steelers need a coverage linebacker. I'm not saying yeah. you go for every Ryan Shazier clone, 
but you've got to take a chance at some point on another coverage linebacker to even throw into the mix for at least third down nickel and dime packages. Yeah, and you know one thing about both of these prospects is they they look like prospects that one uh, an NFL weight room would be good for. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It, that their their ability to add that weight and, and bulk up a little bit. You might not see it until the NFL level, but I think once they get there, it, it's very possible that you see uh, quite an increase in, in in weight and ability to um, to to add on the play strength, if you will, to, to get better in those areas that you're highlighting there. Uh, let's move to safety, which I, I believe, if I remember if I remember correctly, was your number one need for the Steelers uh, potentially going into 2024. Um, you you've got a prospect here that. Um, honestly, I hadn't heard much about, and, uh, James Williams, and you list him here at six foot, four and a half, 215 pounds. Are, are you talking like a, a Calvin Johnson at, at, at safety here? Is that what we're talking about, Andrew? Not quite, but if you remember like the Hamza Nasraldeen type, uh, okay. from a couple years ago, yeah. if you want a good comparison, maybe a Kyle Hamilton, okay. uh, I think this guy, at his peak, if he has, if he lives up to his absolute greatest potential, I believe he has the chance to be a more athletic version of Kyle Hamilton. And that's, I mean, yeah, at that point he Huge. could go top ten. Yeah. But I, th- this is another one. It's based off projection because he doesn't have a whole lot of production, especially in the turnover department. I think he might have had one interception last year. He's not the biggest guy when it comes to splash plays, but coming downhill, he has he has the size, he has the will to be able to hit people. It's just, again, working on the fluidity. His instincts are still kind of coming along, especially in coverage. Sometimes he's a little bit behind in coverage. Not that he necessarily lacks athleticism. I mean, he's not going to run 4-3, anything like that. But he's probably, if on a good day, he may be able to run a high 4-4, low 4-5. And I think that's definitely good enough for his size, someone with his size. But coming downhill, he's got the size. Um, sometimes when he's going in for tackles, he makes – takes bad tackling angles. I think part of that could be due to his height. Sometimes he just kind of lunges, leans down on, especially when you have like, if you look on tape and you see him trying to tackle like a five foot 10, five foot nine running back, he's like, instead of waiting for the running back to get a little bit closer, I'll kind of lunge out for him because he feels like he can reach everything with his length. And then he'll kind of get turned around and then the (laughs) running back will just kind of stiff arm him while he's on him and push him off to the side. So there, there are a lot of technical issues with his game and he's extremely raw. But if you want a guy who has a chance to make that leap to potentially being a first-round pick, I think James Williams is that guy. And he's one of the very few guys who is really a true strong safety in this draft. There's not very many of them again next year. But his teammate, Cameron Kitchens, this guy, it wouldn't shock me if he's my number one safety when it comes time. Cameron Bullock is right now um, from USC. And you have some other guys. You have uh, the guy, the name is slipping me, but a Utah safety but Cade Bullock and you, you have some other guys, but Cameron kitchens, he had six interceptions last year for Miami. He is a ball Hawk reminds me some of a DeMonte KZ type guy, a guy who in his peak, I mean, remember KZ the year he broke out really was with Dallas when he had that big year of interceptions. He has that similar play style to KZ, except I think the upside is a little bit higher. He has the chance to be more than just kind of like that, third nickel and dime safety that Casey has kind of become. I think that 
Kitchens has the chance to be a starting free safety in the league who can kind of move around. He can play the slot. I think he's a little bit more athletic than KZ, a little bit faster than KZ. Um, but he's a guy to watch this year as a guy who could completely go off. Those two guys in the backfield in Miami, they're going to be roaming all over the place. Um, and then the sleeper I'll mention, this is the last guy I'm going to mention, I believe, is Kenny Logan Jr. from Kansas. He's battled mm-hmm. injuries. And when you look at him on tape, he's not necessarily the quickest to get to the ball, but he is a true tackle machine. He's a guy who's going to probably play a lot of special teams. If, you know, who knows, maybe, uh, you know, another year away that he is not, you know, bugged with injuries. Maybe we see a faster version of him and maybe he surprises us at the combine. If he runs a fast 40, I mean, he's just a late round to maybe even priority free agent pick right now. I think I have like a fifth, the sixth round grade on him right now. But if you want a guy who has a chance to jump, and an older prospect too. I believe this is his fifth year. He's a fifth-year senior. But a guy who, if he can stay fully healthy and prove that he's got a little bit better athleticism than the tape we've seen on him the previous couple years, I think that he has a chance to make that leap into maybe day two um, with a solid season. Awesome. I, I love this list. And, um, you know, it's been – what Terrell Edmonds had, had good seasons in Pittsburgh. And mm-hmm. I think – Overall, you would you would label him as an underrated stealer over the lifetime of yes. his career in Pittsburgh, but still, um, you know, there's some there's just something about a, a true strong safety, a, a guy who can just pound players in the box and and make life miserable for tight ends over the middle of the field, and really just be your enforcer that the Steelers haven't had the over the middle of the field enforcer for a while. And, you know, that, that sounds like something I'd like to see back in Pittsburgh again. And I, I think you would too. You're, you're an old school safety guy. I'll, I'll bet you loved Cam Chancellor in his heyday for Seattle. That, that guy was, was an incredible player. Strong safety. I did. His speed concerned me a little bit. Cause like I said, I'm a speed addict, but sure. at the same time, you know, it is what it is. That's why I like Terrell Edmonds. He brought the speed yeah. and the physicality. Right. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how the Steelers go. Andrew, one final question before we close it out. You've mentioned some several guys here. If you had to pick one of these guys and only one for the Steelers to get in next year's draft class right now, who are you taking? Cedric Van Prom. I've I got like to go it. with it. I thought about Jeremiah Trotter. Nobody else I even considered. Van Prom one, Jeremiah Trotter two, then everybody else. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of a lot of Steelers fans are going to fall in love with trotter in the in the pre-draft process next year with his mm-hmm. athleticism um uh, much like uh simpson this this year but you know maybe with a little more upside but i love the cedric van Praan thought uh, adding him to this offensive line would could just be sweet music <laughs> for years to come <laughs> and i've said it uh, i'm a firm believer in the young quarterback give him a young center let them grow together let them kind of build a rapport together over the course of their young career. And you just, you just end up with uh, so much continuity to, to work off of for years to come, if that is the case. So I'd love for the Steelers to, to add a young center to uh, Kenny Pickett's picket fence, if you will, and uh, get, get that rolling here sooner rather than later. Um, Andrew, we'll, we'll have to come up with a new topic. This has been fun to, to mm. discuss the 2024 uh, NFL draft, and I'm sure we'll have more to delve into on that class as uh, the weeks progress and the season approaches. But we will be back with more next week, next Tuesday. Not sure what we're going to discuss yet. We'll get that all lined up for you. 
and uh, just follow me on Twitter at the bets 93 and uh, you'll, you'll see updates on that. And then uh, don't forget to follow both of us and our, our work on the editorial side with behind the steel curtain.com. And uh, Andrew, you got any other projects coming up podcast or otherwise that uh, you'd like to let everybody know about just finishing the draft series. And uh, after that, um, not exactly sure what we're going to talk about. Uh, I know that you've had some interesting power rankings and you've also been, I've been paying attention to your ranking by position within the AFC North, which I think yep. is really interesting. Maybe we can even delve into some of that on a future episode. Yeah. I did. Did one of those come out on, on Monday? I don't remember for sure. I think so. Cause yep. I do some um, of the article posting for the Facebook and for BTSC. And I'm pretty yeah. sure that one of them came out today. Cause I remember posting something about it and I, whether it was in our, on the, you know, pre write area where we get to see each other's sure. work or there, I know that I saw it and it's interesting. So yeah. make sure you go and check it out if it hasn't. And if it has, you know, go back. It'll to Monday. Be, yeah. It'll be up soon if it hasn't been already. And uh, I'm excited for it because I think it's going to, and I've, I've kind of gone through it all already. I'm just going to release them one at a time here. Um, but you'd be surprised at how well the Steelers match up, even with uh, a team like the Bengals who, um, many consider to be kind of the runaway favorite in the AFC North. Not so sure about that. We'll talk about that on, on that article series for sure. Andrew, it's been fun. Hope you have a great night, my friend. And uh, listeners, thank you for joining us on an- this episode of the Steelers Fix. We'll be back next Tuesday at noon with more of what we do. And uh, thank you again for listening. Have a great afternoon and evening, everyone.